The following program does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of WFMD. Now why would they say something like that? This is the Faith Debate on 930 WFMD. And yes, I'm sure it's true. And you know what? Whatever they say, I probably don't agree with them either. You know, it goes both ways. This is a free country, I think. Used to be, anyway. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening to Faith Debate and uh, spending part of your Sunday morning with us here at 930 WFMD. I'm Troy Skinner. I am the host of this show and the pastor of Household of Faith in Christ. And I'm joined this week again by Daniel Rasby, one of the pastors at the church that meets at Imran's house. And he's also involved with a ministry they've had going for a long time now, maybe 20 years, something like that, or longer. I don't know how long it goes been a long, long time, because I've known about it for at least the last 15 years, I think. It's called uh, Conquered by Love Ministries, and uh, their website is conqueredbylove.org. So if you're listening last week's show, and if you weren't, where the heck were you? We missed you. I know it was Memorial Day weekend and all that, but come on. you got to carve out your time for some faith today, you know? Otherwise, we don't feel the love. I'm liking this new music. I like this music. Daniel can't hear because he has no headphones on. Anyway, we're going to say goodbye to the music. Last week on the on the show, and if you missed it, you can you can check it out on the podcast. Uh, we were talking about the uh, not just the shot, but shots in general, vaccines, and and uh, how dependent many of them are on uh, aborted fetal tissue and that sort of thing. What the ethics are of that, what the Bible says about it, and those sorts of things. And we didn't really put a very fine point on it. But to be honest, I think that's because we're trying to be biblically consistent. Right. And the Bible doesn't put a fine point on that particular question for us. So we're we're, we're we're left to navigate that. But related to that question, of course, is the idea of babies in the womb having their ends, their, their lives, uh, their lives ended, having them be terminated. And there's and I was joking last week, like there's been something in the news about that, I think, recently. <laughs> um, now, we record these shows in advance. Yes. So uh, as we record this, the uh, Alito draft has been leaked. Um, and that was a very recent thing to the recording of this show. Right. But the uh, the final version isn't out yet, and who knows what else could have possibly changed. But we do know, so it, it's been released. Uh, there has been a bunch of reactions, some of it very violent and like hideously, insanely ugly, like just bizarre kind of reactions, mm-hmm. and uh, which I guess we would expect given the day and age that we live in. Uh, so that's kind of the context in which these remarks are made. Now, historically, you were, we were talking before the start right. of this show, historically, it would still be several more weeks, probably before the final version of the... Right. Usually they wait until the very end of the session for the most high-profile cases. So there's the, the abortion one. There's also a big gun case that they might wait a while on. Um, again, as we're recording this, they might have released the official it might already on, be out. on both of those. And maybe they changed it. And maybe they changed it. Wouldn't that be something? Let's talk about that, because that's what I want to talk about first. And, right. and, uh, so it's never happened before yeah, the in leak. the history of yeah. the Supreme Court that a complete draft opinion has been leaked. The, the, at best in the past, or at most in the past, you've gotten uh, uh, whispers of which way the court might lean on a subject, but that's that's about it. It's kind of ironic that there's been kind of an oopsie like this on this one, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's a bad thing, because now it, it creates a lot of distrust with the, uh, in the court, and the the court justices are actually very collegiate on uh, uh, and things. They're very, very close family, even though they vehemently disagree on a lot of subjects. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg famously said uh, before she passed a couple years ago that we vote nine to zero on many more issues than we vote five to four. So we actually do agree on many, many, many different things. It's only the ones that are five four that we really 
uh, that, those that sounds like a line. Is that true? Historically I, yeah, true? It, it, it is true. Almost, almost all the cases, or many more, are are very heavily slanted. You know, seven two, eight one, nine to zero, um, rather than the five four. The oh. five four cases are the ones that you hear about because those are the most controversial, and those are the ones that are newsworthy. A nine to zero, not really newsworthy because everybody expected this is what's going to happen. Um, so that's the the point, though, is is that they actually are very friendly with each other as as com, com, Contrast that with what you see in Congress and, and the Senate, and people get really angry with each other uh, publicly. The Supreme Court justices generally don't do that. This type of a leak, I would say, is going to stoke a lot of distrust in the court because of that. And I now, don't think that's gotten enough attention. And I've actually heard some people go out of the way to poo-poo it. They'll say, well, I mean, the, the case itself, that's so much more important than the leak. And we're talking about murdering babies. So, yes, okay, granted, like nothing's going to be more important than that than I can imagine. However, that said— mm-hmm. As far as long-lasting impact on our way of life and the right. institutions that make America run, this really has the potential, in my opinion, to be devastating. And we're not even feeling that devastation yet. But right. to your point, if you can't trust it anymore, what's that? Right. What is that going to mean going forward? Right. And and that's that's why I hope they figure out what went wrong with that and, and stop the leaks, so there's no more leaks from the Supreme Court. I think it's who do you think thing. did it? I would say that there, there's no point, there, there's no incentive for any on, anybody on the conservative side to leak uh, the, the yeah, opinion. Yeah, why bring all of the hate on themselves early? Right. <laughs> there's no, there's no point. the The only point would be for one of the, let's say, clerk, of one of the liberal justices to leak it for two purposes. Uh, uh, one or both of these purposes that I could think of is that in order to stoke a lot of anger and pressure to. Uh, you know, to the justices to change their opinions before the actual vote, uh, before the actual uh, release of the, of the the real opinion. That's number one. And number two, if that fails, to give them an extra couple months, uh, all the politicians, Democrat politicians, to pass laws in each of the states or on the federal level to enshrine abortion somehow. Um, so th- that will be what what I think. But who knows? It, you know, and, and again, by the time this airs, maybe we'll have figured it out. I think that's unlikely that we'll ever really know because I think there's really not be given the attention that it deserves, like you said. So let's. But I want to talk about what exactly is happening with this draft opinion because a lot of people they read that and are like, "Oh, this is what's going to be be released," and maybe it may be very similar to that, but I can almost guarantee you it's not going to be that opinion that gets released. So if you look at the the leak, it was just a draft. It was a draft. It was just a draft, and it just a draft, but it was also a draft from January, and this was leaked in, what, May, end of April, May time frame, and... I heard it was a draft from February, but it was from January. Sorry, February. Yeah, you're right, February, but it said first draft, right? So this was the first attempt to get all the other justices to sign on to Alito's opinion, right? What we know is a couple things. They all vote, you know, have a preliminary vote after the oral arguments, and then when they they figure out which way it's probably going to go, then they assign somebody to write the opinion, and then they see if they all agree with it. If they don't, then they make some adjustments, and they write it again so they can all agree with it. The fact that Alito is writing the opinion Which was a big surprise to me. That's a big surprise. It tells us that Roberts is not in the majority. Because Roberts is... Uh, he can assign the opinion to somebody else, but he doesn't usually. Because he's the chief. Exactly. He's so a head the, the most, most senior person. <laughs> the most senior justice that's on the majority gets to write the opinion, and he yeah. can defer to somebody else. So in this case, Thomas probably deferred to Alito um, because he would be more senior than Alito on this case. 
Um, Why would that be? Because uh, I really thought that when this came down, if it went the if it was a close five four vote, uh, that 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 would mean that Roberts sided with the left side of the court, and I was expecting Clarence Thomas to write it. Maybe uh, or possibly they would have asked. Uh, she wouldn't be senior; she'd be like a re- the most junior member. But mm-hmm. why not have the woman write it? Right. That's what I, I don't know. And there may there may be competing opinions that they're trying to decide. You know, maybe both. Uh, and and there's certainly going to be concurring opinions. So you may see this end up be one of the concurring opinions, and uh, maybe maybe uh, Clarence Thomas writes the actual majority opinion. I don't know. What I am hoping does not happen is that Roberts makes a change and decides to actually jump to the majority anyway. And everybody's thinking, well, why, why wouldn't that why would it be a bad thing for Roberts to, to join the majority? Well, because then Roberts is probably going to want to write the, write the opinion himself, and he is likely to have it much more toned down and not to actually fully overturn Roe v. Wade um, because Roberts is much more of a moderate justice. And, and so hopefully you're that being, doesn't happen. You're feeling very generous today calling him a moderate. Yes, much more moderate, not not uh, seriously not conservative. Seriously, the sides of issues that he's taken over <laughs> over the last ten years have not been moderate. No, no, certainly not. But early on, he was more moderate slash conservative. But right, not since. And that's why that's he, why I'm hoping that, that that's not the case. That it stays the division that, that's in the court stays the way it is through the release of this opinion, and we'll see. Um, if the opinion is anything close to what's been leaked then I would say that's a good thing with a couple caveats. It doesn't eliminate all abortions everywhere. A lot of people think, oh, this immediately prevents all abortions. No, it doesn't. It just says the Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, does not protect the right to have an abortion. That's all it says. And one of the things this does, because of all everybody freaking out and letting their hair on fire and the fact that abortion still won't go away, uh, it just demonstrates the lie that we've been told your whole life, most of my life, that mm-hmm. this is the law of the land. <laughs> right. It was never the law of the land. Yep. Yeah, what Roe v. Wade said was that there, in the, in the U.S. federal constitution, there was a supposed right to kill your baby. And even though it doesn't actually say that in the constitution. And because of that, all the states have to abide by it because of uh, the doctrine of um, – of all, all the states have to be uh, providing the protections that the federal constitution, or at least as many protections as the federal constitution does. So if they eliminate that, they reverse that, and they say, okay, well, the federal government, the federal constitution at least doesn't have anything to say about abortion. Well, now the states get to say it absent any federal law, and the federal government can still make a law about it one way or the other. So I would support a law from the federal level saying that abortion is murder and you should be prosecuted for uh, for murder if you commit an abortion. Um, and a lot of people say, oh, well, the states should definitely be the only ones. Well, the states should make such laws as well, but murder is murder. And, and so certain things are not, uh, you know, not okay for some states to say, well, we're not going to do this. But I think there's like I don't know how many states, but a lot of states have springboard laws that are supposed to take effect if Roe v. Wade is overturned. They take effect automatically and thus banning all abortions in that state, which is a great thing. That means for the time being, at least, if this gets released, there will be on day one the thousands of lives saved at a minimum. And I think that's a really good thing. Um, it raises lots of questions, so, and, I, and it's all speculations. So I don't know if we even want to go on record with our speculations are. But if, if you're you're a legal guy, you've got your uh, your, your legal degree and all that. You're a lawyer. Um, what 
what are what's the likelihood of the or, or how would you imagine different states handling extradition? Like if I live in Oklahoma where it's illegal to kill a baby, mm-hmm. and one of my people leaves the state to go kill the baby and then comes back into the state into my jurisdiction, I could arrest her, couldn't I? Because she's a citizen of my well, state. Well, mo- most of those states have laws that say you can't do it in the state boundaries. Which, and, and so that, if, if the lady from Oklahoma goes to California to get her abortion and then goes back to Oklahoma or refuses to go back to Oklahoma, Oklahoma wouldn't have any standing to ask for extradition. Not, not under any laws that I know of. Now, it'd be great to have such a law, right? We we may we have it about murder, and that's the thing is a lot a lot of these states. They don't go far enough, right? They might say, oh, you can't have an abortion, but they don't go far enough to call it murder and actually treat it like murder and prosecute it like murder. Because if it is actually the killing of a person that there's no justification for, no self-defense, no saving of a life or, or you know, those the various justifications for killing that, that they're illegal, then it is murder. And so then you should treat it like that. So that, that then the extradition stuff would, would kind so, of matter. But I don't I don't see any laws currently on the books or even being planned or promoted that say anything like that. Um, OK, so that might kibosh that potential yeah, issue, because I, I was thinking about all the complications. People we have a whole different idea of sanctuary states and sanctuary <laughs> cities. Right. Right. So. That's interesting that you're saying that uh, the, the, the local jurisdictions have to abide by the, the higher jurisdictions. Well, then why are, why are there restrictions about where people can carry their guns? The, the federal rule is you have a right to bear mm-hmm. arms, and yet at, in local jurisdictions, you're not allowed to have bear arms mm-hmm. here. So why aren't they? Well, that's, that speaks to what the definition of bear arms is, and the Supreme Court has held that bear arms doesn't include carrying a gun, unfortunately. Um, they're wrong in that. That's that's a really bad decision. Um, I mean, the whole point of the Second Amendment is to have the citizens be able, if a revolution would be needed in the future, to successfully win a revolution against the U.S. military. Well, for that, the citizens would need tanks and machine guns and fighter jets and aircraft carriers and all that stuff with no permits and, and stuff. So that's that's really what the Second Amendment's about, is, is to have for the citizens to have their own military. Um, so for even in Scalia's uh, opinion for in, uh, in Heller in 2008 about the, the guns was that, oh, well, certain military things can be excluded still. Well, that even that is not the purpose of the Second Amendment. So I disagree with that. But uh, that's that's why some states have restrictions, because the Supreme Court has said you can have a lot of restrictions. You just can't restrict the right to own it in your own home. OK, well, that was yeah. a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I, I brought it up my fault. So back to the <laughs> uh, to, to, to the decision, the Alito uh, draft of, of the opinion, as, assuming that that holds. It wasn't just a Roe versus Wade, but it was the Casey decision as well. Right. That, that yes. That they're Roe and Casey were both bad. Decisions. So. Does th- and anybody saying that a Supreme Court decision must stand forever is forgetting Plessy versus Ferguson, Brown versus Board of Education, all these bad, bad decisions that were very racist. And yeah, Dred Scott comes to mind, yeah, right? Yeah. Dred Scott. Um, so there, it is possible for for it to be a bad decision. That yeah, can be because overturned. the Supreme Court's not infallible, and so they should they can and should recognize when they've failed in the past and correct those failures. Right. So that leads to this next question I was leading into, actually. So if Roe falls and Casey falls, does gay marriage fall? A lot of liberals are suggesting that that's next. I would say uh, I hope so. 
as a Christian, I hope so, because homosexuality be like is, is a sin. Decision, right? Ober, Ober, yeah, Obergefell, Obergefell, I don't know how it's pronounced, yeah. but yeah, I mean, because as a Christian, you and I both believe homosexuality is a sin, um, and certainly you can't call it marriage if it's not one man and one woman, and I mean a bio- biological man, biological woman. We have to say that again. Now, all these disclaimers we have to add and qualifiers to our sentences now. It's just getting longer and longer <laughs> to say what the definition of marriage is. And so, yeah, I, I hope so. It's it's way too premature, I would say, to, to make predictions about that. Again, we haven't even seen whether this is released yet. And now, where we live, it's not going to change almost anything. No, because Maryland has a law that is a fallback from Roe. Maryland says that if Roe is ever overturned, Maryland still guarantees the so-called right of a woman to kill her own baby. And that's and very sad. Put, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's either going to already be on the ballot or they're fighting to get on the ballot. Yeah, I think it should be on the ballot this year for to add to the Maryland state constitution. Yeah, to that you can kill your baby after it's born. Up to yeah, up to and, and including you know after, right after it's born, I think is 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 how that can be interpreted. It's not explicitly saying after it's born in the law, but the or in the, in the language of the amendment, but the way it's written is so ambiguous that you could certainly justify killing after they're born. So this could be a a state that a lot of people from other parts of the country would travel to. Yes. So to your point, abortion won't end because places like Maryland would still provide them. No, and that's why you would need some sort of federal legislation about that, um, or you need some other Supreme Court decision stating that uh, the Constitution protects the life of the unborn because the, uh, everybody it should have equal protection. All uh, people in the United States should have equal protection, and so that should extend to unborn as well. But it does. the problem with that argument is the language of the 14th Amendment really says all persons born or naturalized in the United States. And if you haven't been born yet, then it's kind of hard to say that those rights are supposed to extend to you. You know, something that, uh, as I think about it, should have been said last week and most definitely now must be said this week because um, we're talking about um, the ending of a life of an unborn child and we've been using rather direct... Uh, some would argue inflammatory language in mm-hmm. doing that, and I don't want to. Um, I don't want to miss the opportunity to sound a pastoral note. It's it's very possible based on the t- statistics that there's at least one woman somewhere who will be within the sound of this, my voice, your right. voice, will hear what we're saying about this and and calling you know an abortion a, a baby murder and 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 we should treat it like murder and the legal coach and and that's all true. Uh, but even if um, even if a woman kills her fifteen year old child, mm-hmm. which everybody unambiguously would call a murder, well, give it about six more months, it might change. But for now, yeah. unambiguously, that there's still redemption available. Sure. So you want to you want to talk you want to you want to put on the pastor's hat? You want me to put on the pastor's hat? Because I, I do want to. Well, there's to, no sin that is going to prevent you from having Christ's blood cover your sins. There's nothing nothing bad enough that you can do that Jesus isn't good enough to cover. And uh, that doesn't mean we should intentionally go out and, and do all these sins. Um, but if you are covered by the blood of Jesus, it it's covers all of your sins, past, present, and future, um, because it's entirely from His grace that you're saved, and nothing you can do can change that. Now, without His protection, you're going to hell, even if the worst thing you did was, you know, steal a toothpick from a store 20 years ago, <laughs> you know, the, the, then you're going to hell. 
So the littlest sin is going to prevent you from getting to heaven, and the most egregious sin you can think of, and for me, murder would probably be that, that most egregious that I can think of, can't keep you out of heaven if Jesus wants you there. But Jesus is, is only going to be covering those who are called, those who are accept that um, the gift of salvation. So do you want to clarify more? No, no, no. I, I, I don't I think anything to be clarified. I think I, I will just add on a, a little sure. bit just to just make sure that, you know, our heart is heard on this. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel, I think, would, would admit right away that he's a sinner. Yes. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I can't even count that high. You know, so this isn't when we're talking about something like killing a baby, as, as horrific as that is, I'm not saying that somebody who's done that is a worse person than I am. Um, they've committed a worse sin than I have in that because I've never murdered somebody. But the collection of my sins uh, all added up are pretty darn heinous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the Bible tells us if you break one law, you, you're guilty of having broken the law, the whole law. Right. So uh, it's as though, and, and uh, if you harbor hatred in your heart towards someone, you know, it's as though you've murdered them in a sense. Uh, it's, be, those will be Jesus' words. And so in that sense, I'm a murderer because I have hated people mm-hmm. in at different times in my life. So the, the point of all that is I, I'm purposely using stark language myself. I think Daniel is too because we want to drive home the point that this is a serious thing, shouldn't be taken lightly, and we need to stop the, the nonsense of killing our, our, our offspring. We need to stop it. Right. However, if you're someone who has done that, it doesn't mean that we hate you. It doesn't mean no. that we wouldn't, uh, you know, welcome you and your repentant heart into our churches. Um, That's the key phrase, the repentant heart. And it doesn't because, mean that I wouldn't welcome you into coming to talk to me. Sure. And, and, and work through and say, you said it was murder and I'm guilty of murder. What are you saying? And I'd be, I would love the opportunity to talk with you through that and show you that, you know what? You, just like the child that was killed, made in God's image— Therefore, immensely valuable. So the defense I put up for the child is the same defense I would put up for you. I want you to understand how special you are. I want you to understand how special that child is. And I want you to feel the weight of the fallenness of our human heart. And you should feel the the, the resonance of your guilt. You can't run from your... You've got guilt. You've got to feel it so you can deal with it. And how do you deal with your guilt? What do you do with your guilt? What do any of us do with our guilt? There's only one thing any of us can truly do to solve the guilt problem, and that is to lay it on the shoulders of Jesus Christ, who right. pays the price for that guilt at the cross. Uh, and then better than that, he gives you his perfect righteous record uh, through his active obedience, it's called. Uh, and so then you are no longer seen as guilty. You're seen as righteous by God. And then you can live a life progressively uh being sanctified progressively, uh, pursuing a more holy life out of gratitude for what Christ has done for you, and you'll be enabled to do that better and better over time through the power of the Holy Spirit that comes to dwell inside each believer, ultimately to the point where we're in glory with Jesus forever, and there will be no more murder, no more abortions, no more right. guilt. You know, that's the Christian message, and I want people to hear that. And so why, why are you being so mean-spirited about you know the baby killings? Because murder is horrible, and we need to call it what it is. And so we, we're using stark language to, to kind of throw some cold water in people's face, but because, because we want people to wake up and, and start living 
the right kind of lives. And so if you have any more questions about that or if you want to yell and scream or whatever, you know, you can contact us. I'm easy enough to reach. You can go to my website, Household of Faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. I'll go to householdoffaithinchrist.com. My contact information is there. And I would love to have a conversation with you and, and hear your side of things. And I've, I've had these conversations with a bunch of people over the years, and it's, it's heartbreaking uh, in some cases. But yeah. you got to shoot straight with people. And Anyway, uh, we've only got uh, about a minute left in this show. So I think we're going to put a book. Is there any final thought you wanted to sneak in before we yeah, wrap that's up? That's a good, good summary, I think. So we'll wrap up this show. Again, you can contact the ministry that Daniel and his family are involved with uh, and their church. Their ministry is called Conquered by Love Ministries, and their website is conqueredbylove.org. It's particularly good if you're raising a family and struggling to do so or if you're trying to have a good marriage and trying to figure out how to do that. uh, They've got really good resources. That's kind of their wheelhouse. And go to my website as well, householdoffaithinchrist.com, householdoffaithinchrist.com. We've got links to vetted resources for you there and all our podcasts and social media links and a blog and all that sort of stuff. Thanks so much for listening. Until uh, next week, I think we're going to talk about end times next week. Till then, God bless.